Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And I'm excited about tonight. This testimony is going to blow your mind. I have Dr. Isaiah Reed on. How are you doing, doctor? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank you. And I'm not going to even begin to try to tell any of your testimony. I'm just going to let you start out and you can, you know, introduce yourself and, and, and tell us, uh, you know, what you feel like God wants you to share. Well, I want to share that. The Bible says that even though we're not faithful, God remains faithful. And I grew up in the church. I actually come from five generations of preachers. And um, the faithfulness of God is just without without even comparison. Um, he's more faithful than the sun coming up every day. He's more faithful than us trusting in the in, in the weather. He's just uh, he's just an awesome God that's always there, even during the storm. The sun is always behind the clouds. And he had promised my mother at the age of 17 that if she would give him a, a son, you know, I guess today we would call it dedicate your child to the Lord, a real dedication to the Lord like the prayer of Hannah, that um, he, would, he would use me and be a preacher. And I never desired that. I wasn't there. She, she wasn't even married yet. She was 17. But anyway, she had me, and God answered that prayer. So I grew up in the church, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the afternoon, and Jesus when the sun goes down. But just because you go to church don't mean you getting it or you saved or you even believe. And just because I come from a generation of uh, true believers didn't mean that I was automatically affected by it. So, I mean, they did everything. I went from, from Cub Scouts to Senior Scouts, was in the Scouts, schools, Catholic schools, I mean, I mean, they were great parents, great churches I was at, um, Cold Spring Baptist, great preachers. But when I, when I had an opportunity to choose things for myself as a teenager, I desired the other side of life. I desired the life that was mysterious to me, the, the world. And I was ab- absorbed into it. My first experience, of course, was um, um, peer pressure, trying to be popular and doing that thing and in that endeavor to be popular. I ended up um, as a gang member, you know, connecting myself with with the crowd or with the clique, with the club. We always connect ourselves. It's kind of the way that in high school you kind of build up your social skills, you know. The cheerleaders hang with the cheerleaders, the jocks hang with the jocks, and so on and so forth. And it's, it's eerie that that spirit is still in our schools today, and even more powerful now is even in – even in our adults, the millennial, they call them. Anyway, I stayed in that system of um, gang violence and and um, graduated um, and became the leader of a gang, 5,000 Strongs in New York City. I'm originally from New York, and my father got wind of my um, activities, you know, drive-by shootings, all that, and he, he was old school. He brought you in this world, he'll take you out, and... I ended up, he ended up putting me in the military. And by that time, I was 16 and a half years old, had two children from 
sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, living that wildlife, you know, all that's involved, even though it wasn't really something that I had inclination or desire to do, but it was a part of being that gang member and showing off. And Vietnam was an ugly war, as you know. Went in there, and that wasn't no better. Got involved in black marketing. The criminal, it's a criminal element in the military. Got involved in that. And I just kept learning and learning and learning how to escalate um, this criminal lifestyle. But my mother and father, they just kept praying, just kept praying, just kept believing God. And years are going by. I'm getting older, and they're still standing on God's word. They're still being faithful to the church. And the more they pray, the worse I get. And so I get out of the military back in New York again, started getting connected with the mafia, the Gambino family, learned about organized crime, started dealing in massage parlors, prostitution, human trafficking. And with that, all that other stuff comes involved, you know, gun smuggling, counterfeit money, and begin to travel. I said, well, I'm going to be making money. I want to invest um, a little bit in myself. And since I had ended up in the military, instead of going finishing high school, I had already had a taste of travel. So I started traveling the world with this, um, in this lifestyle, this subculture. It's everywhere. Prostitution is everywhere. Drug addiction is everywhere. I mean, you don't even have to speak another language. It has its own language, its own subculture, and its own system. And I just thrived in it and grew in it and got absorbed in it and, and hypnotized by it. But prayer, the prayers of the saints, the Bible says the effectual prayer of a vermin man availeth much. And I think we should get back to a people that prays effectually again, you know. I think a lot of us has lost our trust in prayer. A lot of us have lost our vermicity in prayer. You know, the old school saints, man, they would pray for hours a day, you know. And um, we do, we barely pray over our food, you know, but God is God is still faithful. He still listens. He still honors. He still sees. And um, the longer the short of, you know, my father told me, you know, when I, when I was young, he said, if you live by the sword, you shall perish by the sword. So all these years of going to Europe, going to Hong Kong, going to Japan, even end up in Amsterdam where prostitution and drugs is legal, um, went to Russia and all that kind of stuff and um, ended up at a place in that lifestyle where I wanted to be. I mean, through all everything I did, I finally ended up at the top of the food chain, so to speak. And I was connected with so many syndicates in, in different parts of the world, Colombia, Amsterdam, China, Japan, and lived in Japan at that time, was thinking about saving my citizenship. And one of my lieutenants in Denver, Colorado, called me, and he had found a Bible in a hotel room. And, you know, you, you see these things, you know, you see Bibles, you hear, you see hairy Christians at the airport. You, you know religion's around, but it, it doesn't mean anything because there's so much money. I mean, it's... it's money everywhere and and you it is yours you control it so even though you're getting these little hints that it might be something else you don't see where it means anything to you or it applies to you so when when my lieutenant said he started reading the bible i was amazed that was a curiosity 
I said, man, don't read that thing. That thing will make you crazy. He said, well, why would you say that? I said, my whole family crazy. He said, man, it's talking to me. I said, that's the first sign of craziness. He said, no, it's talking to me about me and you and our life. I said, look, man, you got to deal with the Colombians today. Um, hey, just do the deal. We'll talk about this, this uh, religious stuff later. He told me, no, I'm going to find out who Jesus is. I quit. I couldn't believe it. It was just out of character. I mean, it was totally from left field. So I persuaded him to wait till I actually got back to the United States and, and discuss it. But basically, I was, I was going to do what I normally do and just get him to do the deal. So I jumped on a plane from, from Tokyo, landed in, um, in, the, in the States, went to Denver, Colorado. He picks me up in his Rolls Royce, and he says, I that Bible with him. I said, you brought it with you. He said, yeah, man, look, I just wanted to show you what God is saying. You know, you said you got a Christian background. Tell me about God. He was from Haiti, so he was, he, he was mostly, the only thing he saw religions was the, the we got his dead, you know, the Spanish people do sometimes. And I said, um, man, I don't want to do that. And we go back and forth and back and forth. And he's really, really pleading with me. I mean, he's just overwhelmed that God would talk to him. He's overwhelmed that the Bible opened up open up to him so freely that he could actually understand and receive it. I mean, I didn't rec- I never really saw salvation like that. But even though I saw it, I didn't know what I was looking at, but he had got saved. And it didn't mean nothing to me. You know, I shunned it off, but he was my friend. I supposedly had cared for him, but I didn't. And I um, got angry. Anyway, I went to complete the deal that he was supposed to complete. And uh, went to the deal with the Colombians. And anyway, along with the Soviets, they took out a 30 automatic and murdered me. I still have a bullet in my brain. Went in my spine, shot me twice in the face, stabbed me 16 times. They love the butcher people, you know, send a message, that kind of thing. And hid my body in the alley with all that money on me. You know, because when it, 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 you know, they don't want people to think it's personal, it's emotional, it's always about business, you know, that kind of thing. Man. That philosophy. Anyway, a car ran over me, and they discovered my body in that alley. And of course, the paramedics nine one one come. My friend that was all was out had the Bible. He guilt overwhelmed him. He goes back and retaliates, and he gets murdered. As he was trying to murder uh, the Colombian guys that murdered me, uh, six police officers showed up. He ended up shooting six police officers. He ended up getting shot. And, and died. So both of us were in, in the hospital, Denver General Hospital, in the morgue. Okay. They find him before they find me. Finally, uh, five, five hours later, you know, paramedics come, pronounce me dead on arrival. They get me to the hospital. The prostitutes, some of the prostitutes come down to identify my body, that kind of thing. And one of the prostitutes had my mother's number. Seems like everything should be called a coincidence, but it's not God. All things work together for the good to them who love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. My mother loved God, and she knew the purpose of God. And even though I didn't know the purpose of God, or I had no love in my heart for anyone. And I couldn't love God because I didn't believe in him. God still moved on my behalf, and she prayed over the telephone. As the doctor was telling her they needed permission to perform an autopsy to get the bullet out of my brain, out of my spine for evidence. So they can put these uh, murderers in prison for murdering me. She said, my son is not dead. Let me pray. 
Now, the doctors assured him it was, it was nonsense. You know, I mean, been in, he said, I've been a doctor for over 40 years. This is not my first um, rodeo. You know, I'm an ER doctor. Denver is known for having one of the top trauma units in the United States. Your son is dead. There's nothing he can possibly do to your son. You understand that, Mrs. Reed? My mother said, you may have been a doctor for over 40 years, but God's the guy forever. And my son is not dead. Let me pray for my son. And my mother began to pray. I'm in Denver. She's in New York. Not on a cell phone. You know, that's, you reach out and touch somebody's landline. Thank God a call probably would have dropped. It was landline. And by her night stand, no crocodile tears, no emotional nothing. Just, Lord, remember thy handmaid. God is not a man that he should lie. The son of man that he should repent. If he said it, it is so. If he spoke it, it shall come to pass. Your word said it is impossible for God to lie. That your word will not become come back to you void, but will accomplish and prosper wheresoever you send it. And my son shall be saved. And as she was petitioning God, standing on the word, believing in God, not believing in emotion, not believing in, in panicking, just trusting in the Lord. One of her favorite scriptures was, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. And in that acknowledgement that God was, was her master, the primary life source of her life, life came back into me. But the doctors didn't believe her. I mean, I didn't just, they, they cut me open. I still have the autopsy scars. A lot of times I have to show people because, you know, people think what you see is what you believe. But once you see it, you don't need to believe it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not believed. But to help the doubtful, to help the critic, to help the unbelief, I still have these scars, the death scar. And I've seen millions and millions and millions come to Christ. But Christ knew that before I was born. He gave my mother that prophetic word at 17. But look what I had to go through. 28 years of prayer. I had to die, and I actually went to hell. If you don't know God, don't die. Everybody, sometimes people want to know about hell. Um, there's not enough time uh, to even explain it, but just don't go. It's horrific. Anyway, I came back to life, and... Um, I didn't change. Miracles don't save you. You must be born again. We all are loved by somebody. We all, people have prayed for us. People have, we, have, we have tried to change. We have done so many things um, to try to improve, you know, feel good about ourselves, cosmetic, lose weight, eat right, be around the right people, go to the right church, do the right thing. That is not it. It's an encounter with God. You must meet. He, he's available. And this is why I cry out for humanity. They fail to see that it's important that you meet Jesus. Thank God we got churches. Thank God we got books. I'm writing a book. I have a book now. When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Oh, that is great that we put our witness and our testimony out there. But for the individual, you got to come to the well and drink. You have to. He's there. He's here now. He's, if you, he's in the sounding of my voice. He's in the room with you now. He's in the car. He's there with you now. As you're jogging down the street, just take a moment 
and open your heart up to him. And, man, he'll manifest. It'll blow your mind. I get raised from the dead, experience him, come back to life. I have the all types of my Bible, have the doctor's report, dead on arrival, and I go right back to the world for three more years. Drugs, prostitution, violence. Then touch. Three years later, December 27th, 1989, 1145. And another drug deal. Having a drug party. It was a couple of days before Christmas and New Year's. So we was gonna, we was gonna party all the way to New Year's. So I wanted to be I wanted to get so high I was gonna be the first astronaut in that new year. And Jesus comes to the party. He wasn't even invited. His presence was so strong. One of the prostitutes named Lisa felt the presence. Now, I don't know nothing. I'm still human, still oblivious that I have a spirit. I'm just soulless and fleshless. I forgot my other dimension, the top of the food chain, is that we're also spirit. But our spirit has been severed from the mind of God, from the relationship with God, from the reality of who we really are. We're not human beings trying to have a spiritual experience. We're spirits having a human experience. And that humanness has shut us off from where we come from, from who we are. Man is searching from where he comes from. He's looking to the stars. He's looking to the little green men. He's looking, he's looking for, maybe I came from a frog. He's looking everywhere. And we look for love in all the wrong places. And it's right there on Calvary, on the cross. Right there, that sacrifice. Right there, there it is. And I experienced that in that crack house, in that drug room. You know, Lisa, she she freaked out anyway, long and short of it. For some reason, I prayed for her. And when I prayed, he answered. And everybody, every prostitute, every drug dealer, every drug fiend, everybody, every heartbeat, every soul, and that room was born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Oh, that was, I'm going to never forget that moment. I have little moments like that to remind me that he's still powerful. But that moment was special because I was such a sinner. And I was so corrupt, so dark, so blind. And he opened my eyes and, I mean, it was a corporate encounter with God. We all saw him. I mean, what a privilege, what a blessing. Not just to feel like you don't even, you can't even get nobody to share it with you, you can't nobody to talk with it. Because sometimes when you have spiritual experiences, you don't want to tell nobody because you feel crazy. But we, we, everybody in the room felt that. But we all had a witness that it was true. So powerful. He said angels, which was the Honolulu Peace Month that's happening in Waikiki and Hawaii, was having a party on the islands, was partying. But the police became my angels to snatch us out of that development for a time. And I have uh, been saved, saved, saved ever since. And my life is wonderful now. I do so much work for the Lord, so many missions filled. He's helping me to redeem the time. You know, um, he's a revivalist. Revive thyself in the midst of thy youth. Have in the book of Habakkuk, he's let me revive my years through working for him, through serving him. 
sharing the testimony. The testimony is powerful. And I desire everybody has a testimony. Whoever has encountered God has a testimony. Matter of fact, I'm in the process of writing another book, The Power of a Testimony. For we overcome by the blood of the Lamb or by the word of our testimony. I may have may have given you a little prelude or just um, gave you a little teaser, but please, you can go to my website. I have videos. You can order a DVD about me. There's so many literatures. I've been on television, so many talk shows. You can Google me, and um, I can come to your church. I can come to your Bible study, come to your high school, your college, wherever, and um, minister, but it's all about Jesus. I lift up his name, and even if you need to use me as a, a reference point, you can see the autopsy scar. Thank you for this time. Like I say, the, the half has not been told. And if you have questions, you can contact the radio station. They can connect you with my website. We can pray for you. But I want to say a prayer before we conclude, if I can. If you have heard anything, and believe me, when I was in that room, I mean, it was it was ugly. One of the guys that used some of my heroin that actually died, actually OD. It was horrible. Death, prostitution, broken hearts, broken dreams, violence, manipulation. I mean, it was full-blown, criminal, sinful, demonic realm, and we enjoyed it. And Jesus spoke to me then. If he spoke to me then, he'll speak to you now. If he spoke to me over there, he'll speak to you right where you're at. If he spoke to me, who's nothing, chief of sinners, surely he'll speak to you. Father, I just ask right now, in the sounding of my voice, use my voice, use my vocal cords as a contact point for them to know the real Jesus, the real Savior. Touch their hearts, O oh God, by the Spirit, by the Holy Ghost, God. God, open their eyes that they may see. Open their ears that they may hear. Remove the stony heart and put a heart with your statutes and precepts. Touch their minds and write your laws upon their mind. Give them the mind of Christ, O oh God. God, if you don't do it, it won't get done. It's not by the will of the flesh or the will of man. It's by the will of your spirit. Not by might, nor by power. So by thy spirit, saith the Lord. And I am so confident. You have made me confident in your word. For your word does not return void. It does accomplish and prosper wherever you send it. So we send it for the word of salvation. We send it for the word even for the backslider. We call it a man. Even if you need a healing in your body. What is easier, Jesus said, to say pick up thy bed and walk? Or say thy sin I'm forgiven? Get, get the full package. Get the triple threat. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And be healed from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Appreciate you. Thank you for spending a little time with me. And may the Lord receive bless you and all your labors. Hey, Dr. Reed. Yes, sir. All I can say is praise God for praying moms and dads. Amen. You give yeah, a lot of hope to them because uh, they have kids in the same situation that you were in. Mm-hmm. And... and I know this will give them a lot of hope because Thank I hear you, it Jesus. every day. I hear it every day. Mm-hmm. That, you know, what can I do? Amen. And wives with husbands and husbands with wives. It's an epidemic. Amen. Yeah. And we need to get back to 
the weapons of our warfare. And it says that after you have done all else, pray, and after you finish praying, stand therefore. You know, we just have to do what the Word says. But like I said, so much distraction, so much um, stuff that just takes our focus and our attention in everybody's life, you know, you know, whether it's a relationship, whether it's finances, whether it's anything. It, and we don't have those moments anymore, that quiet time to let the Lord speak to us. But I pray as they listen to what you're doing in your ministry, I pray your, your radio station become powerful and anointed as they begin to hear the voices that come through that, that it just not be the voices of the guests, but they can also know that God is using those voices as a conduit to plant that seed of salvation in their hearts. Well, I want to just thank you for taking, I know you've got a busy schedule and, and just taking the time to do this interview. And yeah, uh, Thank you for having me. And I hope one of the churches that are close to me will have you come speak so I can uh, introduce myself there. Well, I've already prayed that in advance. <laughs> Thank you, sir. God I bless. appreciate you coming on. All right, and I'd like to hear that. Send me a copy or some information where I can hear it. I'll do it. That's a wrap. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.